but my mind was drawn to Nehemiah chapter 4 because, yes, there are plenty of times when you just feel like giving up, throwing in the towel, and saying, forget it. And I just want to read my Bible and pray, which is a good thing, but you cannot ignore the 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 enemies that are coming in. You cannot ignore the uh, the the problems and the trials that are coming your way. You can't just ignore it. You can't just walk away from it. And whether it's this trial that we feel like we're under, or whether it's your own, see, we all have this, whether we whether we really see it that way or not. It could be a physical affliction. It could be the constant burden and the trial of of those in our homes, with those in our homes. It can be those that we love. It can be the burden of the church situation that we're in. We all have our burdens. And the easy thing it would be to for us to just give up and to to go off into a corner, into a cave, and to, like a bird, take wings and fly away, right? As David said. But we can't do that. That's not, that is not the will of God, and that is not reality either. And Nehemiah shows that to us, I think, pretty clearly. In this passage in Nehemiah chapter 4, they're coming up against a conspiracy of opposition, you have, and if you read the, the email, I had some of the thoughts in there as well, but you have these, these forces that are assembling themselves together against the people of God. The people of God are just minding their own business. They're trying to rebuild the, the walls of Jerusalem. They're trying to get back to the place where they can worship the Lord. They're not trying to conquer these nations. They're not trying to assemble an army where they're going to destroy these nations around them. They want to worship the Lord. And yet you have this conspiracy of the enemies of God wanting to stop them and to hinder them in any way. And what is the response of the people of God in Nehemiah's day? Well, what ended up happening, and we'll we'll look through this a little bit, but what ended up happening is they ended up having to fight and to build at the same time, okay? It made it more difficult for them. But they couldn't just build in peace. They couldn't just, okay, leave us alone and let's just build in peace. They had to fight and build at the same time. They had two hands. In one hand, they held a sword. In another hand, they held whatever their instrument for building, sword and trowel, right? And they had to do both at the same time. They didn't have the luxury of being in a season without affliction or trial or opposition. And so often, I feel that we are waiting for the opportune, perfect moment in our lives when we can really start getting interested or into the building of God's kingdom. We're going to wait for the conditions to be perfect. We usually say things like this, well, I just have to get over this hurdle. I just have to wait till these problems go away with my servers or when um, we have more money in the bank or when I have that job that I need that job before I can really, and then I'll serve the Lord or I need to get married. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve the Lord with our family. I, I need to get married first or I need to have that relationship or I need to 
have children or I need to wait for the children to be grown up and out of the house and then I'll have time or whatever. It's always a mirage. There's always something that makes our present circumstances uh, unideal to build, right? We are always waiting for a more convenient season. Who, who was it in, in Acts? Was it Festus or somebody who said to Paul, uh, this is all very interesting, but let's wait for a more convenient season. That season never comes. It will never come for the Christian. We are always actually perpetually in this state of Nehemiah 4 where we're having to battle and to build at the same time. And if I were, like from this past week, if I were to have waited, Lord, just just let me uh, fix this first, and then I'll seek your face, or then I'll attend a prayer meeting, and then I'll uh, be in the Word. I mean, I, I, have, I can't ignore this, right? You, I mean, if you have a physical affliction, if you... Wait till I'm physically stronger before I pray or before I try to witness or do anything for the kingdom. I have to I have to feel better first. Or let's wait till COVID lifts or all these restrictions lift or whatever it is. Let's wait for um, the conditions to be right. It's never going to be right. There is a, there is never a more convenient season, and we are always going to face opposition. Is the point? Uh, it's a little bit of what we talked about the last time with Haggai, where the people of God were saying constantly, the time is not yet, the time is not yet, it's not right. The time is not right. And the Lord is basically saying, well, is it time for you to build your own houses? Right? I'm not going to go over that old ground again, but basically that is always the excuse that God's people seem to be putting out there, is that we're waiting for something before we can start building. And and the lesson that we have to learn, the lesson that I, I had to learn this week, is that even in the midst of this hailstorm of, of um, hectic uh, hardships, to use all H's, um, we had to continue to build the kingdom. We have to continue in this, in this, in this process of of seeking first the kingdom of God. We don't seek first the kingdom of God when our server problems go away, and then we'll seek first the kingdom of God or or our relational problems. Seek first the kingdom of God means seek first the kingdom of God. And uh, it means that they had to continue to build. I mean, you would think that in Nehemiah's day, I mean, they had pretty good reason to stop. I mean, they're they're coming up against having to fight. But no, it was important enough where they had to continue to build. And that's the other thought that I wanted to bring. Why was it so important that they not stop? You think about that. I mean, what was driving them? Why is this so important to them that they not stop building the walls? Ever think about that? I mean, it's a nice story. They had to, you know, sword and trowel. But why was it so important that they not stop building? It's because the building of the walls of Jerusalem, the building of the kingdom, is actually our best defense. The building and the reviving of the church is actually our strongest offense to this wicked world. You know, we often think that there's something else that we have to do in order to defeat the enemy. Um, 
you know, worshiping God, building his house, building the house of prayer, rebuilding the kingdom, reviving the church. Those are all sort of nice to haves, but we have to take care of this business over here first. No, no, no. Actually, a revived church is the greatest offense to the kingdom of darkness when you think about it. So for these Jews, it was priority number one to get those walls rebuilt. It would be the greatest defense and the greatest offense that they have. And so it is true with us as well. We get it all backwards. We, we, we always get it backwards. We put God last. We think that once all these things are straightened out, then we'll give God lots. No, we, we're giving God the leftovers. We're actually giving God the scraps. We give God first, and then these other things will take care of themselves. We have to build, and we have to battle at the same time. It's very important that we not stop building. So, as it relates to this prayer meeting, or in our own personal lives, it is very important, no matter what we are going through. And by the way, I'm preaching to myself, and you all are just uh, listening on. Because this week has been very difficult for me to be in the Word, and to be at, even at the prayer meeting. I had to miss, I think, once or twice. Um, and it was everything that I could do to crawl into the prayer meeting. And sometimes that's all we can do. Sometimes that's all we can do is just give somebody a booklet or tract. We don't we don't have we don't have anything to give them by way of being able to witness to them. We're just we're just happy to be alive and surviving and breathing, right? Um, and so we're weak, we're very weak. But and I was I was sitting in lunch the other day. Um, I, I was telling Paula that I was sitting there by myself because I was. I was. We were trying to do something, uh, trying to foster some fellowship, etc. And nobody came. It was just me, and I was feeling pretty low because uh, we were still trying to deal with problems. And I had my laptop with me and said, "Oh, well, I'll, I'll I'll do a little bit of work," and I was unable to have the um, have the frame of mind to be to be witnessing to anybody. But I did have a tract with me. I did have a tract with me, and so I wrote a little note in it for my waitress. And um, I just told her how how much I would love for her to read this, and you know, I gave her a nice tip. All right, it's always important to do that, by the way. Don't don't skip skimp on the tip if you're going to leave it tracked. Um, and that was all I could do. And even this morning, I was taking a walk early this morning, and I ran into my neighbor, and um, he's my next door neighbor. His name is Dick, and maybe you'll pray for him. But um, we were talking about the fence and the fence line and what he wants to do with that. And again, I'm feeling spiritually not very strong. Let's just put it that way. And But I knew the Lord has arranged this meeting. And the only thing I can say to him, because he was kind of, um, I let him talk for a bunch, but then he was wanting to sort of go back home. But before he left, I said, Dick, just wait. You seem like a very nice man and... I'm thankful that you are so conscientious about this fence. But let me ask you this. Is it well with your soul? Do you know the Lord? And he said, yes, he does. And 
he attends Bible studies and et cetera. And I mean, I don't know for sure. I, I didn't probe and push him, but my point is that that's all I could do at that point in time. That's all I had. I didn't give him the full gospel. I didn't sit down with him and, 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 and go through the whole, I mean, I wish I did, but I, I didn't really have the opportunity. I mean, he was, he seemed to be wanting to get back. Um, and I wasn't going to force him to stay. But I want to I want to encourage us that even those small things, insignificant to us, and maybe a failure in our minds, even those small things, God can use. He can. Now He knows there's somebody who seems to know the Lord, and if He comes into a crisis time in His life where He's asking those questions, where does He turn? He'll at least know somebody that he can turn to, and I'm his next-door neighbor. And, of course, I'll continue to look for opportunities to talk with him, but you don't have to feel like you have to build the entire wall in one day. It's not up to you to build the entire wall. You have a piece in that wall. Why? That's why in Nehemiah chapter 3, you, you go through all those families. They all had their part in the wall. This person had the sheep gate. This person had the dung gate. And this person had the whatever gate, right? Well, that's significant there because... It's it's indicating that everybody had their part to play. And as Nehemiah 4 verse 3 says, Tobiah was mocking the Jews because he was like, "This what, what are they trying to do? This wall, a fox comes along and it'll push it down. Guess what? It's true. All of our feeble efforts, it's just like one wall that's there. What is one standalone wall? It's really not very strong, right? It can be pushed down. But what is a wall that is connected to another piece of the wall, that is connected to another piece of the wall, that is connected? And in verse 6, it says, So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together. That's what we're doing. Don't feel discouraged about the fact that you can't do a whole lot on your own. Do the little you can. We are joining the wall together. And that is exactly what we're doing here to pray. We are joining the wall together, and that wall will be strong. Of course, it is the Lord who is our strength. But a wall all by itself, yes, it's weak, and it will fall over, and it's feeble. And all of our attempts are feeble. Okay, we get it. We get that. Enough already. <laughs> but the wall joined together is strong. And that's the whole point of the body, friends. That's kind of the whole point of this prayer meeting. We are praying together. The disciples were in the upper room with one accord. This is this is significant. Any of us who believes that we can do it alone, go at it alone, well, go for it. That's that's not that's not the way. That's not the Bible way and certainly not God's intended way. Everything in the Bible talks about a body or a structure. We are living stones. We're all part of this together. Um, yes. And um, that's all I really want to say is that what we are doing here today is important. No matter what other things that we are battling in this life of ours, do not allow it to stop or slow down or hinder in any way the building of the kingdom because this is the most important thing. This is the greatest. This poses 
the greatest threat to the kingdom of darkness. Is it any wonder that that the devil and his cohorts are throwing all these things in our path? It's just like, you know, we're, we're walking on this path and you can just see him just throwing every possible thing on our path to stop us. You know, throwing everything. Throwing the kitchen sink at us. Um, he's going to make us stop. He's going to slow us down. Well, one hand, the sword, the other hand, the trowel. Okay? So let's keep building whatever we're facing. Amen.